Hi, this is Michael Azared, the editor-in-chief of TalkHouse Music, the website where smart, notable musicians write about new music. Welcome to the TalkHouse podcast. Today we have two towering creative forces, who also happen to be two really nice people. Meryl Garbus from Tune Yards, an iconic performance artist, musician, composer, painter, sculptor, filmmaker, and many other things, Laurie Anderson. As always with the TalkHouse podcast, we put two interesting people together. And sure enough, they had an interesting conversation that only two musicians could have. And away we go. We're looking at the um, End of the Road Festival. Where was that? Uh, England. Uh-huh. Salisbury or something. very rare that I look at footage of myself. Um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Looking at footage of yourself. Oh I've gone gosh. through so many waves of it, too. Mm-hmm. Where it used to be actually a lot harder for me. Was it? Yeah. I think in, in uh, well, in the beginning, mm-hmm. when... All when you say beginning. Yeah. <laughs> when do I mean? Yeah. Um, What's the beginning? What's well, the beginning? for me, I was thinking it was... For me, the beginning of YouTube videos of myself being put on the internet was when I was about 30 years old, Mm -hmm. and I'm 35 now. Mm -hmm. So this feels That's five years. Mm -hmm. Um, When there are photos and press press photos and, you know, all that Mm -hmm. junk. Mm -hmm. So that was five years ago for me. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking that for you... You were also in your early 30s when Oh Superman came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did your life change when that came out? Um, uh, yes and no. You know, in, um, in, um, s- uh, yeah, the answer is always yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's such a long answer. Um, I'm sure. And uh, it's... I'm kind of an anthropologist at heart, <laughs> so when that absurd thing happened, you know, which was like, hey, you're on the charts in Britain, I was like, what are the charts? <laughs> Honestly, mm-hmm. I don't mean to be like, but you know, I'm a snob, I was a snob then too, I wasn't mm-hmm. from the art world, I didn't like pop music, mm-hmm. I didn't care about it, I thought that's, you know, what I cared about was what other artists thought about my work and, you mm-hmm. know, so... um when I was suddenly in this world of people screaming and limos and it was like, I was like, this is so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, and fun and a lot of fun. And it was But I decided to be um, an anthropologist because I knew this was not going to be a permanent state. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so so just like, like observe it, Mm -hmm. observe myself. And I, and I, didn't do a perfect job with that because I got a little tied up in it, you know, with the egos, and you know, the, you know, your ego loves stuff like that. Sure. You're that great ass, and it's like it's mm-hmm. just, uh, it just loves to hear stuff like that. So I mm-hmm. knew that it was, um, um, a kind of a joke, but um, <laughs> I, it was also fun. And what about you? Did you, so five years ago when you you're picture starts appearing all over the place and then you're mm-hmm. how's your ego uh, well I want the task of <laughs> resisting I, or not um yes I mean I think I feel I feel the same and that's actually helpful to think of it anthropologically mm-hmm. um because certainly it doesn't Certainly, I can't imagine that it lasts. Or if it does last, that means that you're working real hard to make it, make sure it lasts, and that you remain in some. You know, you you remain in the a value system mm-hmm. that, I, at least when I started, that wasn't. It's still not my value system. The right. system of pop music, right. as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. There's no. There's no limos and there's no screaming. So mm-hmm. it may. It may have been. <laughs> well, that was the. That was the era too. Exactly. That was the era of yeah, limos yeah. screaming and, and record companies and yeah. you know making this kind of like wild, crazy thing about. Um, uh, and it was a different relationship to fans. 
So mm-hmm. they would show up at places, and they'd they'd stalk you major mm-hmm. <laughs> in a major way, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and that was that was crazy. So so now I don't think it's um, I think the stockiness is a different. It's done in a probably more surreptitious way, mm-hmm. and you know more digital stuff, and Absolutely. it's less physical as as is the world. Yeah, but it, but I think also that it makes at least most of the successful touring bands who are touring right now that I know there's a definite humility that happens that you know there's it's not sex drugs and rock and roll anymore it's like Mm -hmm. yoga kale (laughs) and and you know sleep as much as possible yeah Yeah, that's true that's true took all the fun out of it yeah man yeah come on (laughs) I was like that that was fun you know what as a young artist before I was in the music sort of scene my I seen was art festivals in Europe, and mm-hmm. and I realized that um, I was having. I, I thought, gosh, I'm a different person when I'm in Europe. I'm, I'm like freer and more, like uh, uh, I have more time on my hands to like really look around and mm-hmm. and talk to people, and I just feel better. And then I realized that um, I was drinking a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> I never drink in the United States, but you know we're sitting around uh, having lunch, and you have you know it's it's Europe, so you have a couple of glasses of wine, and then hey later let's have some drinks, and then you go and have dinner, and then after that you go out for some schnapps. I mean, I was like, I was, I was like, whoa, I was drunk the entire time. So this was my uh, my free self was right, there. Of course, you were loose. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was loose. I was and and it was a lot of fun, and so. Um, and what were those festivals? I they mean, real... were avant-garde mm-hmm. music slash theater festivals because I was doing kind of, uh, I was really interested in how language and visual things can relate to each other mm-hmm. in ways. So stories, that's kind of still what I'm up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't changed that much. It's not unfortunate. I think it's, <laughs> I, but didn't you I have was... a guy like Robert Plant? I went to his show uh, a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm. And talk about survivors and somebody who builds on what he's doing Mm -hmm. he did such an amazing show at the nonsuch festival Hmm. um did you catch it no yeah it was amazing because he's pulling in all he's he's a genuine music lover he loves blues he loves you know um uh really oh you know ancient rock and roll i mean Mm -hmm. and he and and folk songs Mm -hmm. And he has, I think you'd love the show because you have serious grooves, and so does he. <laughs> serious grooves, but you're doing something else with the lyrics, something else with the, with the way it's all attaching to each other, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so here's a guy who was, you know, went through the the classic mm-hmm. rock scene. You Talk know? about limos and screaming, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and here he here he resurfaces as a. It's an intensely interesting musician with a wonderful sound. These guys played together for two years before they toured. Wow. Or recorded. Wow. You know, and just really sound. good side guys that oh he's got with him. Who's they were just they're wonderful. Yeah. Wow. All of them are have, are just they sink into that groove in a way that's like so organic. You mm-hmm. just know they've been you know, the way you can sound like it's not guys who learned it, it uh, for the tour. Exactly. They are guys who it those parts came out of them. They played yeah. them. They they originated them. They right. you know they've been really they're attached. And, and what's your band seem like now on, on the tour? Well, I mean, it's it kind of the it's kind of the opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the touring. It's a touring band in a way that we haven't really done before. But that the parts were written and then we, you know, we recorded the album and and then said okay. When did you record it actually? T- uh, last year, mm-hmm. twenty thirteen. Mm-hmm. So. You asked when I wrote Real Thing, and that was right. somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere back in there. Yeah, somewhere okay. back in there. And when you say writing, like, what was the process? I know we're going uh, on another little side mm-hmm. trip, but... Um, that one was... Is that a Voyager behind you? I think it is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. we, nice little thing. We, at the end... Yes. At the end of last tour, we felt that we could afford... A Moog, and so we got that okay. Voyager. The Voyager is beautiful. It's really pretty. Yeah. So we had a, suddenly a spaceship in our little apartment in mm-hmm. Oakland, mm-hmm. 
and I started I knew that I needed to write a record that's the one thing I do like about pop music Mm -hmm. if that's what I'm doing but having a record label and having a contract because it Mm -hmm. means you have to do something (laughs) yeah you signed on that line it doesn't matter if you want to it doesn't (laughs) matter if you just want to make you know dehydrated kale snacks in your kitchen you should probably write a song or two so I started playing around with the Voyager are those good dehydrated kale snacks I mean it doesn't sound like that's you we get a thumbs up from over there I if you could try one. I've got one in my bag. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, can I try it? Yeah. It's yours, in fact. Oh, so no, I'm not going to take that home. Yeah. Just watch. But I'm just, gonna, I am going to just There's just one this. left. It looks like a dog biscuit, and you might think it tastes it like a dog biscuit. It quite a like <laughs> dog biscuit. But I, I have tried dog biscuits, and uh, <laughs> some of them aren't bad. Did you make this really yourself? I really did. That's crazy. Can you send me the recipe of for this? Of course. It's yeah. absolutely delicious. Isn't it I am. Good? I said I wouldn't keep it. You but should I'm keep it. it. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm that honored. Is really good. So sometimes I think about, you know, wow. do I really want to go back on tour? Or do I want to use my dehydrator and you and make mm-hmm. kale mm-hmm. Uh, cashew? De- there is a dehy- <laughs> there's a dehydrator machine. Yes, it takes. It sucks all mean? the water out of anything. How long does it take? Overnight. I was wow. saying that overnight in the Can middle... Can you dry out your iPhone in there if you drop it in the pool? <laughs> you know, I bet you could, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. That's a good idea because it be it, it's very low temperatures. Yeah. So um, that's the trouble is that I have this balance where I just... Which I wonder if you have struck in your life ever. I'm very curious. Yes. Where I feel that I'm not in a rush to create anything, but that I can luxuriously have time to do the things that I do to take care of myself Mm -hmm. and be healthy and get good rest and all that stuff and make an album or whatever it is I'm working on. I think you can do that no matter where you are, that you don't have to go home to do that. You could bring your dehydrator on tour and plug it in. Mm -hmm. And if you were in the right mental state, then you can twinkle toes your way around the world in Mm -hmm. safety, harmony, and with luxurious amounts of time I really think it's about that not where you are and do you because you travel a lot okay well I have a recipe to share with you yes it's called hotel hot dogs I invented it when I was <laughs> on the road a lot and um, when you'd come back from a gig and you're so starving okay let's say you're in Germany and there's no more there's nothing open mm-hmm. but um I would save things during the from during the day you're probably this will probably be nauseating to you but like sausages yeah, I'd pass a sausage. Now, I tried this once. I thought, how am I going to cook this sausage? So I actually, and it started as a joke, but it turned out to be edible. I had a, a lamp cord, and I just needed to heat it up. I had a lamp cord. I stripped the, um, the wire off. The, oh, my gosh. The, I stuck it into the end of the hot dog and plugged it in. It's called, and the, it sort of exploded, but it also heated it up a lot, and it was really delicious. Are you saying I call you, it hotel hot dogs? You plugged in the hot dog. Two twenty. Whoa! Yeah, it's, you know, it gives a, a nice dog. like little jolt. And this is like a gas station sausage, something that you just yes, pick up on the road. Yes, yeah. So it's accessible, wow. easily accessible. And um, I feel like this tells me a lot about what you're also carry. Do you carry wire cutters with you on yes, the road? Yes, I do. I do wow. carry wire cutters, and I I, I carry yeah, yeah. Like, um, I used to try to fix things when they broke on tour, so mm. during the show, so mm. I would have a screwdriver in my pocket, and if mm-hmm. I couldn't hear something, also a lot of the cards of things that that I was using early harmonizers, and their mm-hmm. cards would shake when they were transported, so like. Really, if you banged on the bottom of that mm-hmm. unit, you could reset the cards, and often it would fix some kind of fritzing. So I would <laughs> disappear during the show for a few seconds, just boom, bang. you know, yeah, and <laughs> and it often made it pop back into place. <laughs> I mean, that's you know, I, it was just too often when I called long distance to these guys and go, the harmonizer, the nine ten is fritzing again. Uh-huh. I'll try banging the bottom. So yeah. eventually, I was just like told myself to do that and it, and it kind of works do you carry screwdrivers and ways to fix things no or? and i really should i mean because we usually have a sound guy now yeah. or a sound gal truthfully yeah. our sound mm-hmm. gal olivia in europe is mm-hmm. she's got wire cutters she's mm-hmm. got she i think she might even have a soldering iron on the road with That's her good which is mm-hmm. well. yeah. um worry what kind of gear do you have right now uh 
a pedal board that mm-hmm. has homemade or um I got I used to home make it and now mm-hmm. and then I just got one of those metal rack things mm-hmm. that with velcro mm-hmm. yeah but I've got two looping pedals mm-hmm. and then a bunch of stuff for my ukulele so the tuner <laughs> you mm-hmm. ukulele it's just like so crazy a lot that's of a stuff great that instrument make, that makes it not sound too much like a ukulele I hope so Ooh. delay and distortion and stuff like yeah that. well yeah but do what, you ever just play straight ukulele um ever rarely it, it's, it's such, such a, a lovely sh- little sound it's so yes. shy and, it's know. so shy and and at its best I started playing it because at its best I think it's creepy you know mm-hmm. that that's creepy in what way what, 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 what image is coming to mind um well, we were just talking about Twin Peaks, maybe in a David Lynch kind of way. Yeah, where, like you somebody know, under a palm tree playing ukulele. Yeah, but you know that something way. bad's gonna happen. You know, it, oh, right. in, in other a, words, mm-hmm. <laughs> in other words, there's some there's this kitschy element to it. Yeah, and if you just take it at face value like that, I don't find it so interesting. But if there's a darker, if there's a dark side to it, such as the first songs that I wrote on it were for a puppet show that I was doing mm-hmm. that was about a mother selling her child to a, the butcher. What do these puppets look like? My first puppet, solo puppet, was her name was Fatilda, and she was what made do you mean solo of, puppet? Uh, I worked for a puppet theater company, Sand, oh, Sandglass Theater, for a while yeah. in Vermont, and um, and they they are craftsmen with their puppets. Mm-hmm. They are from a more European tradition of puppet making and right. sculpture. Right. <clears throat> That's not me. I'm into trash and mm-hmm. things that are disposable or that you recycle, you know. So yeah. I took a pair of pantyhose and stuffed it with cotton and that was and sewed it a bit and that was my Fatilda. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. So I used to wear her on my foot and sing to her. Nice. With, with my ukulele. Now, on your foot, like, and then would you cross your legs or would you, like, this, do it was a, a yoga p- move? Picture a, p- the Punch and Judy theater, mm-hmm. and my leg was up like this. Mm-hmm. And so I could, if I was more nimble back then in my mm-hmm. early 20s. Foot puppets are better than hand puppets. Why not? They're, just, they're farther pretty, away from yeah. you. It's, like, <laughs> it's kind of like more disembodied. Exactly. And you did this with pantyhose? Mm-hmm. You know what I just saw in Poland? I saw a, in a store window pantyhose that had been um, infused with vitamin E. What? Can you imagine, like, clothes that have vitamins in it? Like, oh my you can get your muscle t-shirt with complete with calcium infusion. Well, I guess, lo- I mean, vitamin E lotion, right? It's kind of the yeah, same. Yeah, I'm Ooh. not sure I want to have something that, no. uh, from a, from... <laughs> yeah. A garment. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, so, so this, your first solo puppet, what was her name again? Fatilda. Mm-hmm. And it was called the Fat Kid Opera, and it was... It was based on Jonathan Swift's A Modest Proposal. Oh, nice. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was a mother who was who was in such dire straits that the choice that she had was to fatten her daughter up and to sell her to the butcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was the I premise. can see why you'd want a little distance from, from that mm-hmm. puppet then, because you're going to get rid of her. Oh, yeah. You, were, you played the mom? I played the mom. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did you play the butcher as well? And every uh, the butcher year. was a bloody latex glove. Uh-huh. Oh, great! Uh, yeah. And there was a chase scene with the butcher and mm-hmm. and Fatilda, and then she sticks him in the meat grinder at the end. And, him uh-huh. in the meat grinder. Oh, okay. So it's a it's a Hansel and Gretel, which it gets ground up straight. Exactly. Great. And That's a little paper mache sausages drop out of the front. Wow. <laughs> It was really fun. I wish I'd seen that show. Me too. Uh-huh. It's it's one of those. <laughs> you got a, wish, you had a ringside seat. Are you yeah. kidding? <laughs> Are you just sitting on the stage with your foot in the air? Is that how it works? Not the whole time. That would have been that even for me, a nimble twenty early twenties. You mean you stick your foot through a curtain? Uh, well, I at certain points it was it was not my foot. At certain points, I had her at my hand. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but you'd stick these puppets through curtains. You wouldn't see your whole body. Uh, you would actually see my whole body. Would, I, uh-huh. I came from that tradition of, of puppetry where you're to be seen but mm-hmm. not seen. If you're really doing right. your job as a puppeteer. Right, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah. No one's watching you. And in fact, at that puppet company, Sanglass, uh, I was often, we were doing Bunraku style mm-hmm. puppetry. Mm-hmm. Um and I was often the feet. So that, you know, <laughs> when you're the little intern that comes in straight out of Smith College with her theater degree, uh-huh. that's, you know, well, congratulations. And yeah. kneel you're on the ground. The mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. It was a good training. Um, how you... What do you feel that trained you best for to be the feet? Oh, 
you know, looking back and kind of going, I, what did you know? Well, you know, it trained. It was really an ensemble, an, uns, an ensemble experience, and that's really what I wanted from from theater at that point. Learning mm-hmm. to breathe with each, with each other because we were studying Tai Chi breathing, so that mm, great. the puppets breathing. And the idea was that we all know when the puppet's breathing and mm-hmm. then the, it's not the feet moving on their own, mm-hmm. you know, the, the everything, the chest, the arms, everything has to emanate from the breath of the puppet so that we're all moving at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when you have three people r- manipulating one puppet together, you know, the puppet, you, you lose sight of the people who are manipulating it and, mm. and it breathes life into yeah. it. Did you, you did not study theater or did you? I, I used to make a lot of puppets. Really? I never studied theater in school or anything but history. Um, uh, but puppetry always interested me. And when I was at music school at Interlaken, uh, studying violin, I was mostly doing making puppets. Really? Because, yeah, it was so much fun. When you were how old? Um, a little too old for being a puppet person, oh, I guess. I was 26. <laughs> okay. All right. Then I'm not going to say that, that it, it was... I mean, I just think of like sometimes carving puppets as being a six-year-old thing, but I was like 14-year-old mm-hmm. person making them, and it was really fun. Then I had a uh, ventriloquist dummy for a while wow. that I worked with for in various shows, uh-huh. and I was such a bad ventriloquist that his mouth kept getting stuck in the on position I would still be doing the, the talking I didn't notice it was like the silent scream so but that puppet who is this tall and I had made to look exactly like me um, mm-hmm. was um, a funny thing happened it was right in this place strangely enough that I'm putting my hand we're sitting in the studio I have a little niece who lives in San Francisco she was little then she was like five and she um, traveled with my brother uh, to Spain, and um, she was already bilingual at that point, Spanish oh. and English. And she was in the Basque country because my brother was studying the history of monkeys, monkey mythology. Wow. And he his thing was uh, how they had arrived in certain places in Spain and his theory was that the monkey mythology and imagery had come through India so he Mm. was tracing that in the Basque country so um, anyway um, this little girl um, got to the Basque country bilingual little girl and and she was then trying to speak that language and she imploded she stopped speaking. Whoa. And she stopped speaking for half a year. So at first, you know, a month went by and they thought, oh, she'll adjust. And then a couple of months and they, and you know, it was a big Fulbright thing. So it was like hard to sort of go, well, you know, and then finally they realized she had stopped talking wow. and was not talking to anyone about anything. So they came back and on their way to San Francisco, they stopped here and they left her here with, with me for the day and went out to have fun. And so, um, uh, they, I had a little tiny keyboard set up and this little dummy, <laughs> and and I said, uh, uh, and I and I started talking with the dummy with her, and she started talking. Wow! And she started telling not to me but to the dummy, mm-hmm. saying, "I was in Spain. I hated Spain. <laughs> it was they made me talk a language I didn't know. Can I straighten your tie?" And she's can I fix your hair? And she's working on the dummy's clothes and then and fixing his hair. And are you speaking hair. as the dummy back to no, her? Yes. So, but she's not looking at me. She's looking at the dummy. Mm-hmm. And then I remember when Thor and Consuelo, my brother and his wife, came in through, um, pointing now through the glass doors, and into and they saw their daughter talking, oh. talking to this little dummy, <laughs> and they both started crying. Oh. It was really, and also she was playing keyboards with, and making the dummy play, and wow. talking and chatting away really happily. Yeah, and she started talking. Hmm. I mean, it was it was so so incredibly touching, and you and you realize sometimes talking to an inanimate thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like. Um, it's such a relief, you know, because they're not going to start telling you what to do or you should really speak Bosque. He's mm-hmm. not going to say anything except, you know, these kind of like crazy little mouth motions that he's doing. <laughs> so anyway. And is that... Um, puppets are magic. What about puppets now? Are they in your shows ever? Do they come back? And No, but I, 
uh, not in that same way, but we have this we have this wonderful set now that's fabric that I wanted to look like bubblegum. What kind of bubble? You mean chewed bubblegum? Like chewed wadded bubble a, a bubblegum? That's we cool. Did, we did this cool, <laughs> we, yeah, we did this cool yeah. thing this time where we um, attached a lot of imagery to the album while the album was being created. So I would just go nice. on Pinterest. Do uh-huh. you know that board? That uh-huh. Pinterest board thing? Yeah. And we would just find image images and I would say, you know, to sort of rally the troops because there are many more people who are working on tune yards than there used to be so what's the what are the costumes going to look like and what's the set going to look like and um the photos that go along with it so this time i said i i have this this is a world and i want to make sure that everyone's aware of this world the whole time and and me too so it was chewed up a lot of chewing gum Mm -hmm on the ground mm-hmm. like you know pictures of dirty chewing yeah gum, yeah which i started to get really fascinated by and in fact there's some i think it's in london maybe there's some bridge where people have made art out of gum that's mm-hmm. on the ground mm-hmm. have you seen that no just you know painted over a little so e- each one of those little gum pieces becomes a world for something else to happen in it so i just got kind of wow like, that's that that's, yeah. uh, that's intricate <laughs> It really is. Um, but so bubblegum, I think because because that color pink just seems, it's really so It's startling, tr- isn't it? It's oh. very, very, uh, like the color of a, a liver pink off, often, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of like really yeah, startling and exactly. troubling. Troubling, exactly. Color. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, and also, you know, bubbly and, and peppy. And we were really, I was look, going back to my Pee Wee's Playhouse days as, oh, a, as a kid. Oh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Mm-hmm. That was a great show. It really was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, I don't know, this child. So, in other words, there's no puppetry, but there's, I want there to be more interaction with that material on stage, which I was a great education that I had as a puppeteer was that really anything can mm-hmm. become a puppet, that mm-hmm. any inanimate so called inanimate object you if you put enough life into that mm-hmm. and enough attention around it and enough so um, a microphone could be it. a kind of puppet totally puppet. easily uh-huh. um yeah and and like you know that i see you use in your work is this is the relationship between between human beings and so-called inanimate objects but but conversing with in whatever way with with electronic things with physical objects um that that's intriguing to me do you ever loathe you, the equipment that you use on stage as i sometimes do in other you know for instance when you have to kick your pedal to make it work <laughs> well i think everyone in the world whether they're a musician or not has a love hate thing with mm-hmm. technology no Mm-hmm. You know, because it's it's really cool. It seems mm-hmm. wonderful, but then you're you but are kind of a slave to get to to the treadmill of getting of keeping it. So, I you know I have aspirations to work with pencils. You know, and and pencils and paper, paper yeah. mache. I mean, those are all beautiful materials. Mm-hmm. So to to Michael's question, you just finished this wonderful BAM project. I'm done with the BAM thing for is the it, now. It is, and how I wrote this thing last year, mm-hmm. and um, this thing being this quartet for Kronos, it is so much fun playing with them. Uh-huh. They are killer musicians. Yeah, they can do they anything really you ask them to, yeah. and much more. And they'll interpret it in ways that you just like. So I. Mm-hmm. Uh, have been doing a lot of solo stuff for the last couple of years, really more than that. Um, don't have a um, a band. Actually, never wanted a band. I've only had them really intermittently because I I don't like being on the phone. You know, did you make it three? No, okay, it has to be 10 for you. Let me call you back. I'm just like, mm. oh, 
please. The logistics you spend a lot so of time yeah. doing that versus yeah. the creative you stuff. Yeah, you do. So I just try to um, make a, as big a sound as I can. And then lately, I really love just playing with one other person who's going to mm. do that. So improv stuff. It's mm. really fun. Mm. And I didn't do that until Zorn said, let's do an improv show. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, like who like well who plays the first note? We'll just see. I was like, this sounds like a terrible idea. It's like, why would we do that? I mean, this is you know because your because your performances are far more crafted they're and scripted. intricate. They're you know like mm-hmm. and 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 they're too scripted. So you know, well, being free enough to sort of just go. Who plays the first note? I mm. don't know. Let's see what happens. So I was like, whoa, mm. I really want to try and that. totally terrifying, I find. In so my, have you done that? Well, I yeah, but from, you know, forcing myself mm-hmm. to. But I think I always have this. How does it work out for you? To, I mean, who knows? Terribly in my mind because mm-hmm. it feels so uncomfortable the whole time. But it's who cares? It's a, the, well, the, the time the, I did uh, it was a saxophone and yeah. me singing. So it's not, it's that not like we cool. created a world war because it was so horrible. You know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. Are you sure? Are you sure it was that terrible? I'm pretty sure. You're pretty sure. Um, but you know, so it's for. Did people tell you it was terrible? No, I mean, uh, people told you it was good. People told us. What did they say? That it, you know, it is what it is. We were in a small restaurant in a bar in Berkeley, or Albany, or something like that, and there. Berkeley or Albany? You're not sure. Uh. Albany, north of Berkeley. Oh, not Albany, New not York. Not Albany, okay. New York. Okay, sorry. I was like thinking, I promise I'm not on drugs. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, you, you don't have to promise anything. It's okay. Um, in other words, we were with a bunch of improvisers. The the audience right. was another bunch of improvisers, which I don't know where your was your Zorn thing at the Stone or something. Was Stone, it? and then I just came back from Norway where there was wow. an improv festival. Cool. Yeah. And how and how did they go? Really fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. Oh, it was that's beyond good. fun. This guy I played with our. Arve Hendricks was um, he's a trumpet player, but also lots tons of electronics. So hmm. the f- you might like the punk festival. It's, uh, the idea is remix. So there are three of you on stage: the two hmm. improvisers and the guy who's sampling. Whoa! And I say guy just because they're like ninety-eight percent mm-hmm. guy festival. <laughs> if you want to meet mm-hmm. lots of different kinds of Norwegian guys, it's that's right. <laughs> so um, anyway, he is sampling and there's a 10 minute break and then he does the remix hmm. show whoa and right there shreds it, the same stage you clear off wow and it's his show and it's it's beautiful i mean we did it with uh, finesse was the remixer so hmm. he's really really good at it hmm. and he was that's amazing yeah he was he, so you heard things you'd played through you know just the most extreme granular synthetic voicing uh, that you've ever and and just turned upside down and it was but it was like a beautiful beautiful piece of music Mm -hmm. so I think there's something really exciting about doing live stuff that can then be that isn't just repeated night after night the same show it goes through a big big old grinder and it mm-hmm. becomes other music so oh, yeah that to me was a big revelation because i tend to just kind of get a show and then do it yeah. I, and i think oh well i'm getting better at it and so i just keep doing it yeah instead of, and that gets to be uh pretty soul eating after a while mm-hmm. you know because then you're like a technocrat yeah just playing the same thing and and getting slightly better at it. i mean i i think that would probably after playing five nights with Kronos at BAM, we each night was a completely different, not completely, but really different show. Really? Yeah. So it's probably that with you too, you know, and when you're playing with your band, it can, you can go lots of different places sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right? And there, and there are, there are intentionally improvisational moments yeah. so that it, yeah. you know, so that we are on our, yeah. on the, on the tips of our mm-hmm. toes. Yeah. A lot of the time. To get that balance between something that isn't just chaos, because yeah. that's not, fun for people to listen to either you're just like improv yeah. unless you're what? a total you know free Genius jazz doing it yeah well or <laughs> yeah. just a free jazz fan yeah. and like exactly like that's what you people do. do that yeah mm-hmm. which is which is i shouldn't say when when the, you know an improvisation with solo alto sax and voice mm-hmm. um what i i prescribed that for myself mm-hmm. and it was in that after that time of playing the same show over and over and over mm-hmm. again even though I'm playing with looping pedals, which are different all the time, a yeah. little bit, yeah. not quantized, etc. Yeah. But, um, but that, 
there, you know, to really say, okay, I'm hanging out with all these jazz musicians and what they're doing every day Mm -hmm. is improvising and their whole lives are improvisation. And here I am doing scripted things Uh and, you know, pop songs generally, verse, chorus, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I beauty to that. Yes, I do. I do love it. Mm -hmm. However, to, to kind of, you know, kick my own ass, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wanted to do something scary like that. And it was, you know, the times, the times that I'm, I'm the most terrified, which I think are good times on stage or when I don't have that, you know, I don't have any framework about what's going to happen at all. That's terrifying in a good way, probably. seems to me that you have in 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 the span of your years Mm -hmm. you have been parts of and attached to different communities and I wondered if there are communities that you that you miss sure yeah yeah and communities that that um that are in your mind joyful joyful ones that yeah. brought or or really creatively fulfilling ones or, yeah. or that really were fodder for a lot of your creativity. It's funny that's been in my mind the last couple of days because when I went to all the events at Nonsuch at BAM mm-hmm. I felt like I was part of a community for mm-hmm. the first time in many years because it's it can get very fractured in New York and I mean I am a part of a little community having to do with the stone and John Zorn mm-hmm. and this kind of scene, but it's not really precisely my scene, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm kind of a member of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be a, a member of the kitchen scene. Now I'm on the board of the kitchen, so that's like a, I try to go and see stuff there, and it's not exactly, you know. So right now there's no guaranteed place in New York where I can go any night of the week and see people I know, Yeah, and I miss that yeah. enormously. Now, I once had a manager who I was complaining about this, um, and I actually only had one manager. So anyway, when I had a manager, I was saying, um, boy, I just really wish there was a scene. I miss it so much. And da, da, da. and she said, well, why don't you go down, go out and sit in a cafe and start one? I was like, ooh, because I never thought of that. Well, the <laughs> guess is why I didn't do that. But, you know, I mean, maybe I'll just try to start a scene mm-hmm. because – there are there are people that I I mean I love the idea of of being um, part of something. It means a lot to me not mm-hmm. to just be in the big commercial fray of yeah. you know here's your product and your the world's your oyster. It's like I and to me scene means real estate and uh, like proximity mm-hmm. so that you can walk there. Yeah, that's what a scene is for me. Yeah, you know that's really what it is. And in the and. And your New York scene, I mean, the, the scene that you miss was early, an early New York scene. I it mean. was an early New York, it, it, but it's it's done a lot of different things. There was the very first one I was in was um, Phil Glass, Trisha Brown, Gordon Matta Clark, you know, this kind of combination of people who are making, oh, we were all making operas at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then, then other things that have just been, you know, they've come and gone. And, um, and the, the, the thing that was happening around BAM, which was all of the Nonsuch people, mm-hmm. was actually, I thought, well, it's really fun to have a place to go to. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I felt like that. What about you? Do you feel, are you part of a physical scene? Are you part of like, what, what's well, your scene? Well, I I mean, I, I feel, a, I feel a, a regret or a loss of a scene because Toon Yards really started in Montreal when I was uh-huh. living there and Montreal being an incredibly walkable and oh, tiny yeah. city. Yeah. And, um, and I moved, I moved, you know, unofficially cause I'm not Canadian, but I, I was up in Montreal playing music with a couple dudes and we had a band mm-hmm. and that was when I was, that's when I really started to be interested in music versus whatever theater stuff mm-hmm. I was doing. Yep. And, um, 
and it was a scene i mean it yeah. was a bunch of bands and yeah. we saw each other and yeah. there were the clubs that you knew you know such and so such is nice. playing at you know casa del popolo yeah. right up the street mm-hmm. then we can go over to such and such bar and that's you know i mean and and starting playing playing your own shows wherever you feel like um you know just how about we do a show at cafe de Paneur? sure uh so and inviting your all your friends out i mean it was there's now i understand how rare that is now i live in oakland it's a big city we we are in a a building we have a studio in a building that's full of lots of artists and that that feels like it's becoming somewhat of a scene i miss a scene yeah so what are you going to do about that well, it's hard, as you say, when you're, I mean, I feel like I'm out there selling my wares, you know? That's what happened to us, too. Yeah. You know, what, and what happens to all real estate scenes is you mm-hmm. got to, um, we became expats, you know? We started mm-hmm. working in Europe. We didn't even stay in the country. Mm-hmm. We just spread out, and, mm-hmm. and that was the end of that scene. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I would, uh, maybe I'll just, I'm going to try to do that. Well, it's, it is, is it, so nice. It is nice. And is it possible to have a virtual scene? No. It's not the same thing, right? No. no. It's a, I'm not even going to go there. No, no. Of course it's possible, but well, it's not it's, it's not that much. It's, it's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun late at night to go and home and talk to your computer. No, thanks. No. I want to go to a club and hear some real music and see some real people and have a real drink. Yeah. You know, as I just well, do have play real music in the real in, room yeah, and in you the know. flesh. Well, but don't yeah. you do that? I've heard that you've had gatherings here though. Well, you know, some, yeah, I've had some things going on here. But um speaking of real estate, I think I'm going to probably um and, and that it's par- partly it's that as well. There's this new place I'm thinking of going to in the West Village. Um Part of the appeal of that is that it's on the street, mm-hmm. and that you know it could be about people coming in and playing, That's and what you I know, was thinking. Um, and just being more integrated into the. Mm-hmm. It's in the bougie West Village, but I've really learned to like. Oh yeah. That kind of. Well, scene, I, you know? I personally am glad that you are still here. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> it, it somehow keeps the um, I don't know. Someone's got to stay, hold it down for what New York is yeah, and was. So. And I think I I mean I love New York. I mean, there's there's no cities in the world that you can go out and look at the at an enormous collection of armor on Friday <laughs> night. You know, and it's you true. know the metropolitan museum, I mean, incredible museums like nowhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all, you know, so forget that there are no good movies to look at. We have, we're sitting on treasures, uh, yeah. just ab- absolute treasures. And you intend to stay. I mean, it's a place that, that well, fills Well, I, I was kind of vacillating in the last year. Of a different, there are lots of different cities I'd like to live in. And mm-hmm. so I was thinking I would have a nomad time of my life. And and and, and then um, I think actually when this... this uh, opportunity came up to to take this ramshackle building and it's just a shell really it looks like a it's survived world war ii barely you know it's really you will not be moving anytime soon in other words i'll probably just be calling up and going i I should why didn't you tell me not to do that because it's this is my life is a hell you know remember when you when i was telling you about how great it would be to have a so anyway i don't know it sounds like maybe you you're building something that you that could be some real estate you know what i mean that's i mean it. for, for no, people that's why i'm doing it yeah for it people is. to come and for people yeah, to exactly. stay and for yeah, for exactly. you to have a, a yeah. base like that yeah i i i enjoy being with people i really yeah. do and so i i, I don't want to isolate myself when uh nomad solo performer you have you could do basically anything that you wanted yeah. from a small and it sounds like seems like you do you do anything from um a, a solo performance piece a duo improvisation yeah uh, right now it's a crazy mixture of things i'm just, um i'm working on a big um crazy project at the armory for for a year from now <laughs> which is a series of sort of scenes that i having to do with music and spectacle and then, because uh, it's such a cool place, and it does I've involve never... ponies, but that's all I can say. <laughs> so Ooh, then, uh, it does involve ponies. <laughs> yes, it does. So um, <laughs> then, uh, and then I'm going to give a shot at working on this opera with a friend of mine, <laughs> and 
then a, a short one and with a real opera singer so that's kind of thrilling to me because it's a it's an alien world of these people who are like will study the score for a year yeah a year and have trained their lives basically yeah. and to... and and wear muff, mufflers all the time so mm-hmm. they don't you know <laughs> just like I'm becoming... hurt their throats I know. you know it's, it's, they're, you know what an exquisite instrument she has i mean my god it was, mm. it's really really beautiful to hear her sing so a small but a very small cast of an opera or yeah. just yeah her, pretty or? small or? and mm-hmm. involving uh, some electronics as well cool. which is really fun for me because i wouldn't be able to think about it otherwise somehow mm. and then you know these um when's your next record gonna start when are you gonna start writing it I have, Do you have no some thoughts idea. about it? No. Well, I mean, then why I'll... don't we write some duets? Great. And then maybe we can jumpstart. Sure. Something. We'll see. Are you serious? I've see, got I you am on tape serious. saying that. I am serious I because would love it. because um the uh, I I would love to kind of get out of my box and Me too. And uh and I love the box you've created. That's <laughs> <laughs> a very Well, nice how about one. I open like... a wall of my box? And yeah. Okay. You can come right. come in and bring some of your box. Yeah. I would love it and I don't know. I, th- I find that when I'm on tour, which I really am right now, that all of my ideas are anti-ideas. I, know. I just don't want to do know. that anymore. I, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And I don't know that that's... Touring does that to you. Yeah. I don't but know that's that good. That's it clears I'm... it out. You yeah. Know? And then, then you have a little space for what you actually would like to do. So do you... I have so many questions for you, Lori. <laughs> I wish I could ask them all. Because um, how does... I want to know how it works long term and you seem to have made it work long term that you that you seem to jump from project to project so that I do and I, I highly recommend that and you don't get bored it seems uh, like I'm bored yeah and frustrated <laughs> sometimes but you know it, um, of course I mean everyone is but um, I I think you know I never really uh, nobody really ever asked me what I wanted to do so mm-hmm. I, I never really said that what it would be <laughs> so I didn't get, make a trap for myself like I'm gonna mm-hmm. be a something something mm-hmm. um, and uh, that gets in the way sometimes because we do have the art police and they come around and they go what do you think you're doing making paintings mm-hmm. when you are an electronic whatever mm-hmm. you know you're like Wait, well you know it's funny how strict they are, you know, just handing given out those tickets left and given right. Given that it's art. Well, but that that makes you a rule, an art rule breaker, which is really important. And in fact, the first first time I heard your music was when I was at in college and it was a fellow student. And she said, you've never heard Laurie Anderson. Are you and crazy? She look, yeah, yeah. And she looked at me like I was from another planet. And I was like, Laurie, who? And she said, I can't believe Sharky's day. And oh Sharky's, my God, and what Sharky's, a crazy thing to think about. It was an awful song. <laughs> anyway. Um, not an awful song, but she had grown up with it. Uh-huh. And she knew you as an album that she listened to yes, a lot right. as a kid. Yeah. And, um, and you are much more than that. Well, you know... Um, I think it's I, I think it's really for me been a, a really nice thing to keep trying different things. So mm-hmm. right now, um, I a little bit regret that I don't know about more about film, but I'm just finishing mm-hmm. a film, and it was going to be a twenty really? minute film, and now it's a feature film. So I'm just finishing that about, and it was supposed to be. It was for uh, originally for Arte TV, which is the French German art channel. Hmm. They said, we'd like to have a film about your philosophy of life. And I said, <laughs> I do not have one. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Even if I had a really good pithy one, I, I wouldn't tell you what it was, you know, or, or put it in the form of a film. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, why would I do that? So anyway, um, so now it's, it's, uh, it's, it's getting to be really fun the last couple of weeks because it's really shifting and morphing and becoming a real thing. And as I'm starting to put some music in it and try different things with it, it's really, really fun. So hmm. I, I go for the fun aspect. Yeah. I go for this kind of thing about like, um, uh, and of course not everything is like that at all. There were many times during this process that I thought this is just, 
I don't know what I'm doing. It's just awful. And it was, you know, it projects do sound and look awful for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they they still sound and look awful by the time they're released. You know, but <laughs> well, you know, but, but bringing your own enjoyment and fun into it is a yeah, good way. Yeah, and to... also because you're the creator, you're you're not necessarily looking at what you actually did make. Totally, you're looking at what you wanted to make. Yeah, and that and always you, dies somewhere in the process. Not well, or or clouds your vision because you mm-hmm. think um, that you're hearing what you wanted to make, but you're not actually. You're not actually. Yeah. And no one has that unique perspective on the work yeah. because you know what you want it to sound like. Mm-hmm. And you maybe fill in the blanks on some of the things that make, you know, make it sound a little bit either, probably a little bit better than it might exactly. sound. And don't, I, I've been thinking, I love making my own music videos, even though they don't uh-huh. seem to be the ones that people like, but I love them. <laughs> yeah, but um, but um, I think that there are, sim- there are similar rules that apply between media you know like who cares what who you know so you've never done you haven't done much films so but you have these they are totally similar the the equations and the relationships and all that stuff applies exactly so screw the art police well i do yeah (laughs) i I would definitely say screw the art police but i i do think you're right that you ask i mean i i ask the same questions if i'm making a painting or a piece of music you know is it wild enough is it coherent enough does it uh, is it beautiful enough? Is it ugly enough? Mm-hmm. And there's, those are all the basic questions of mm-hmm. making a work of art. Is it, is it enough of that stuff? So, um, whether it's a line or a musical line or a physical line, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you, as a visual artist, completely are on the same page with that. Did I hate you just that call phrase, me the same page? I'm sorry. That did you call me a visual artist? Because yeah. that's. Yeah, because really? you're making your videos and you're a puppeteer and, and you've and got eyes and you got exactly. Thing. And I don't think of myself that way. And so whenever I cross over to that, I think, what, what right do I have? But of course, it's I not have crossing every over. Right. That, uh, yeah. you know, it's um, it's one. That, it's just changing lanes. I'm so happy we did this. Yeah, me too. Two more conversations yeah. sometime, whether yeah, recorded or so. no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Michael, for Thanks, doing Michael. that. Thanks, Michael. Oh, the pleasure was all mine, Lori and Merrill. Thank you. And that was the TalkHouse podcast. Our engineer was Elia Einhorn, and I'm TalkHouse editor-in-chief Michael Azared. For more TalkHouse podcasts, and for lots of great writing by outstanding musicians about new albums, go to thetalkhouse.com backslash music. You have the greatest... Van Gogh eyebrows, like one yellow and one blue that end in striped thing. <laughs> <laughs>